Bad news for Miles Sanders, good news for Bryce Love, and conflicting news in the Arizona backfield on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. everyone and welcome in to today's episode of fantasy football in 15 it is thursday august 20th it is three weeks from the start of the nfl season i know hard to believe but three weeks from today we will be watching patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs get their super bowl rings raise a banner and then host deshaun watson and the houston texans on thursday night football three days after that a full slate of sunday games that monday night doubleheader that i absolutely love and wish they did a little bit more than just in week one but three weeks from now, the NFL season begins. I'm Michael Beller, joined as always by Derek Van Riper. 21 days, DVR. Let's do it. I'm here for it. I'm ready. I want draft season to really pick up. Looking forward to that last wave coming into week one. I'm kind of in the empty spot right now where the calendar is a little bit light in terms of drafts. Mm-hmm. Busy, of course, with shows and things to write and things to watch. But uh, really looking forward to getting that last run of drafts in. Yeah, that last run of drafts that usually for most of us is the leagues that we care about the most, our home leagues, leagues with our close friends, right? We had our wave of industry drafts in late July and early August. Now we're in that dead period, as you said. But, you know, countrywide, fantasy football community-wide, I think this weekend, inside three weeks, is when things are going to start picking up and we're going to have a lot of drafts rolling around over these next couple of weeks. One thing, if you are drafting this week that you have to suddenly be aware of, is Miles Sanders being week-to-week with a lower body injury this coming out of Philadelphia practice on Wednesday? DVR, we just talked about Miles Sanders 24 hours ago and the fact that he is, quote, the guy, according to Doug Peterson, and how much we love Miles Sanders, mid-first-round pick, what he can do with the backfield to himself. And now suddenly here we are, week-to-week with a lower body injury. I'll say this about him. I am not worried about it just yet. But two weeks from now, when we are really going to be doing most of our drafts, if two weeks from now he's still not back in the practice field and suddenly his week one status is called into question, that's when I do get worried about him. So I think that's the most interesting thing. If I'm going to be drafting this Saturday, I'm still taking Miles Sanders where I was already taking him. And for what it's worth, the Eagles are saying no concerns about week one. But let's pretend the only way this is a fun conversation is if we say two weeks from now he is still in this position. Where are you taking him then? Probably in the third to fourth round range. Oh, I mean, I think, wow, that late. Yeah, I, I think if we're talking about a week-to-week situation, I always wonder if it's either a high ankle sprain or some kind of knee sprain. And it's interesting because Miles Sanders did have some nagging injuries last year. He had a shoulder injury, an ankle injury, and he had an MCL sprain in the playoff game against Seattle. So he was pretty banged up last year, still played all 16 games anyway. I think if you have that uncertainty you don't want to buy injury risk. Injury optimism is bad. Our friend Scott Pianowski from Yahoo says this all the time. Injuries will find you. Do not draft yourself into a situation where you're dealing with a multi-week injury or a potential multi-week injury in this case. So like you, if I'm drafting today, tomorrow, this weekend, I'm not really downgrading him all that much, but if we get to you know 10 days within week one and he still looks like he's legitimately week to week with whatever this mystery, mysterious ailment is, in that case, yeah, I think it's about a two-round discount for me before I'd start to think about him, and that probably means somebody else is going to draft him. Yeah, Labor Day weekend. Hopefully we do see Miles Sanders laboring once again by then on the field for the Eagles. So basically we're looking at, or are you saying you're looking at him if that is the case and he is still not quite all the way back by time we are into September. We're looking at him in that 
But like Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, David Johnson range with the other running backs who come in with injury questions to start this season? Yeah, and I think he'd be at the top of that group. I don't think I would mm-hmm. drop him like to the middle or the bottom of that section, but I think that would be the price that I'm more comfortable paying for him if we still have this looming concern. But again, I'd, I'd like him as a mid-first rounder if this is going to be a non-issue once the games begin to count. Yeah, fingers crossed that it is something that is a non-issue because Miles Sanders feels like a big-time breakout candidate for this year. And he already had a good year last year, but feeling like if he has the year that uh, he could have this season that we're talking about him as a high-end first-round pick for years to come. He, of course, not the only player who had to report an injury out of Eagles camp on Wednesday. Minor injuries for Boston Scott and Dallas Goddard. Those are day-to-day injuries, so no concern with either of those players. Devontae Adams also gave us a little bit of a scare on Wednesday morning. DVR, right away, I flashed back to Tuesday's episode or Wednesday's episode of uh, just thinking about oh my god I said you know we haven't had any big injuries to talk about and then it was like half an hour apart we get the Miles Sanders news and the Devontae Adams news but no nothing to see with Devontae Adams he actually returned to practice a little bit later in the day so he is all good DeAndre Hopkins also returned to practice for the Arizona Cardinals missed a couple of days with a tweaked hamstring but he is all good back in practice for the Cardinals ready to fire things up this Cardinals backfield ready to fire things up as well we got some interesting sort of conflicting quotes from the head coach Cliff Kingsbury first he said he wants to get Kenyon Drake more involved in the passing game said that Kenyon Drake is a very tough guy for defenders to handle in space and so it is his job to get him more opportunities to get in space and to get involved in the passing game Drake played eight games with the Cardinals after the trade from Miami last season I got 35 targets, caught 28 of them for 171 yards. So right there, good news for Kenyon Drake. And then a little bit later, he says that Chase Edmonds feels like a starting running back in this league. That feels like a starting running back is a quote from Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Edmonds got that one start last year after the David Johnson injury before the team acquired uh, Kenyon Drake, and he did look all the bit, the starter for that team. 27 carries, 126 yards, and three touchdowns in that game. But that was basically it. Then he suffered an injury of his own, and by the time he was back, Kenyon Drake was rolling, and that was that for Chase Edmonds as a primary ball carrier for this team. Ended the season with 60 carries, 303 yards, four touchdowns on the ground. How do we square these two statements with one another, and how do we feel about attacking this Arizona backfield? I think Cliff Kingsbury just likes both of his running backs. I don't know if that really Mm -hmm. tells us a whole lot about intended usage, but I've been a little bit hesitant to target Kenyon Drake where he goes. I think he's a little bit overpriced. I think Edmonds could end up being a starter at some point this season because we haven't really seen Drake go through an entire season playing at a high level, being the lead back. It's possible that he'll do all those things. It's an offense that we want to be invested in. I just think there's a little bit too much risk for my liking where Drake often goes. If you look at his August ADP over at the NFFC, he's going at pick 12. He goes ahead of Aaron Jones. I would not take Kenyon Drake ahead of Aaron Jones. He goes ahead of Tyreek Hill. I wouldn't take Kenyon Drake over Tyreek Hill. He goes ahead of Nick Chubb. I wouldn't take Kenyon Drake ahead of Nick Chubb. So it's at (laughs) least a handful of picks. Yeah, I mean, you get down to like Austin Eckler. I think Drake versus Eckler, they bring similar concerns to the table. So maybe you have kind of a three-player debate with Eckler, Drake, and, and Josh Jacobs. Uh, So really, if I'm investing in the Arizona backfield, it is in Chase Edmonds as one of my later round picks. He's outside the top 100 overall in terms of his August NFFC ADP going at pick 138 
So you're talking about a guy that you might get in the 12th round who, if he gets the job, could be a three-down back. And I think that's what you're looking for when you're trying to find lottery tickets for your bench. He did look good when called upon, mostly in that one game last season. I think we would have seen more of him working in a complimentary role if it weren't for the injury that knocked him out from week nine up until week 13. I agree with you completely, and I think that uh, we are going to see more of Chase Edmonds on a per-game basis uh, than we did once he came back from that injury last year. But it's still hard for me to get away from the fact that in that first game after the big game, after the 126-yard three-touchdown game, he had seven carries for eight yards, got hurt in that game. So even in the seven carries, which is not an insignificant number, did nothing. Then he comes back from the injury, and in the last four games, two carries, two carries DVR. Zero targets, two carries, excuse me, two targets, two carries. He was active for all these games. It's not like he was inactive. He was active. He was on that roster. He was one of the 45 men with the jersey and with the pads on for Arizona and got two carries and two targets. Meanwhile, Kenyon Drake was running wild in that time. So even though he's going to get more work, I absolutely grant that. And even though his injury certainly played into the fact that he only got those two carries and two targets over the last four games, I still think that Cliff Kingsbury, if he was really going to spread the wealth a little bit more between these two guys, we would have seen greater signs of it in that four-game stretch last year. So I feel pretty comfortable with where Kenyon Drake is going. He had a few monster games, a few ho-hum games for the Cardinals last year, but I really do feel like this is one of those offenses on the rise, an offense that I want to find investment in. I will admit that I am a touch uncomfortable with the ADP that you mentioned. If you look at um, 4 for 4 ADP, which takes in composite from pretty much every single um, fantasy provider out there, Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, NFFC, uh, Best Ball 10s, really all of them puts it together. You find Kenyon Drake as the 20th player off the board in a typical draft that gives you a better sense of where he's going in the non-big money NFFC leagues that you see. If I could get him there, I would feel a little bit better about it, but man, the payoff on Kenyon Drake this year could be immense, so he is definitely on my radar, and we'll just have to see how this shakes out between Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. Uh, A few more notes uh, here before we get to our last big story of the day. Brian Edwards is earning first-team reps in Las Vegas. Of course, uh, someone who could push Tyrell Williams and maybe be the primary outside receiver for this Vegas team. Still feel like Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, likely to be the top two on that team in targets. Justin Jackson looking like the primary backup to Austin Eckler early on in Chargers camp team. uh, Used a decent draft pick on Joshua Kelly, but right now Justin Jackson, the veteran, looking like he will get that primary backup duty to Eckler. And then Dalvin Cook, the contract talks with Minnesota have stalled, but Doesn't sound like there's any risk of a holdout. He says he is focused on being ready for week one. Our final big story of the day comes out of Washington, and it is that Bryce Love is looking like the backup to Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson got a Veterans Day off of practice on Wednesday, and it was Bryce Love who spent basically all of practice, according to reporters on the scene, working with the ones. Now, we've had a lot of talk about Antonio Gibson and the sort of role that he could play this season. We know he's going to mix in. We know he's going to play some back, some receiver. He's a guy who they definitely want to get involved, an exciting guy, an explosive player. Probably right now, already the second most explosive player on this offense behind Terry McLaurin. But Bryce Love working as the primary backup means a lot for a guy in Adrian Peterson who has been durable but is into his mid-30s 
definitely could be an injury risk this season. I wonder if this is more good news that he is the backup or bad news in that it's hard to see him carving out a role alongside Peterson with Gibson going to have his pass catching third down, you know, sort of Swiss Army knife role that we expect him to have. I think it's sort of just the normal progression where you have a likely almost certain Hall of Famer, probably a lock for the Hall of Fame at this point, yes. Adrian Peterson atop <laughs> the depth chart, and a very unproven player in Bryce Love, who's just trying to get his first NFL carry. You know, like that's mm-hmm. still something he's looking for since he missed all of last season coming off the injury. So I look at it and I say, you know what? Peterson's probably the guy to begin the season. It's what our, our writer Ben Standig said back when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He's probably the guy through the first four weeks or so. And I think if the efficiency from Bryce Love in a complimentary sort of backup role, if that's there, the role is probably reverse. And I think Love has a chance to also contribute a little bit as a pass catcher, even with uh, guys like Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick there. So I think it's more good news than bad in this case. It's sort of just the slow progression toward Bryce Love possibly getting a larger opportunity once we get a few games into the season. Yeah, that's a team that we're going to have to watch very closely early on in the season. That is a team that would have been really interesting to watch in a normal summer when we had preseason games because other than Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin, there's really nothing set on this team. We think Steven Sims is going to be someone who ends up playing a big role at receiver. We know about Antonio Gandy-Golden. We know about Antonio Gibson. But we're not exactly sure the roles these guys are going to play. We feel very comfortable that Adrian Peterson is the guy in the backfield to start the year. But how solid is that? How quickly could they turn to Bryce Love? Even if Peterson holds on to the job, is it a you know, 60-40 early down work sort of split? This would have been a really fun team to watch in the preseason to get some information on where these other guys are going to be factoring in for this offense. And I do think that Bryce Love is someone who now should be on our draft radar. So a couple of weeks ago, before the team uh, rightly released Darius Geis, Bryce Love was nowhere near our draft radar. But now we are here. Adrian Peterson is the RB50 by ADP. Antonio Gibson, actually the highest running back on this team taken, the RB47 by ADP. Bryce Love essentially free. So he is a guy who I think we should have circled, be ready to come back to late in drafts. He could be someone who pays off in a big way. Even if Peterson doesn't go down, nothing happens with him. Bryce loves someone that you're definitely going to want to keep your eye on. Really quickly, DVR Antonio Gibson at that RB47 price. Still pretty cheap, but we're talking 12th, 13th round. Any interest, are you going to let someone else make that risk? Probably going to let someone else do that unless it's a best ball scenario. I think they're going to have some specific plays designed to get the ball into Gibson's hands, but I'm worried that he's a very low-volume, high-efficiency sort of guy where timing the weeks in which he's going to break off the big play, whether that be a run or taking a screen pass 40 yards to the house or something, it's going to be really hard to predict usage for him based on early expectations at least. Might be a guy that later in the year... We see more week-to-week consistency, but I'm definitely worried about how they're going to utilize them or how often they're going to utilize them early in the year especially. Yeah, easy guy for fantasy football Twitter to fall in love with in the summer, but let's remember this Washington team was toward the bottom in every meaningful offensive stat last year. Points, yards, yards per play, yards per pass attempt, every single thing this team did offensively, it did it poorly. And while they could be turning things around, probably not – so quickly here in 2020. So it could be a bit player on a bad offense, and that usually doesn't spell anything good in the fantasy world. Thanks for listening to us here on today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. You know the deal. Rate, review, subscribe. Really appreciate all three of those things. The subscriptions are great. The ratings and reviews 
Those are great too. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can still get yourself 40% off a subscription for the first year if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. DVR and I will be back with you to kick off the weekend tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great day.